just doing great things, tremendous things. I believe it with all of my heart. And uh, I believe it's a day for the church to arise, to be strengthened uh, like never before, and uh, to walk in the things that God has uh, for you to walk in, things that he's spoken to your heart, things that he's spoken to you in times past uh, to come to pass. And so we're so grateful and, and thankful for what God is doing. And, uh, well, I'll tell you what, just put your faith in God and get ready for some surprises. Get ready for some surprises because God, uh, he loves to come in and do things and he likes to do them bigger and better than you thought he would. And uh, I, I, he's getting ready to show up and show out a little bit of who he is and uh, manifest himself through his church. Guess what? You're his church. We're his church. Amen? Praise the Lord. Well, uh, uh, if you weren't here this morning, you weren't prepared with your local church tithes and offerings, we want to give you an opportunity to give if you're watching online. Uh, welcome. We're glad that you're here. And uh, if you want to give, you, there's a number of different ways to give. You can give online. Uh, you can give by the, the app. Um, you can give by text. Um, you can mail in if you're here in this room. Give them by cash or debit or credit card. Want a tax receipt for your giving? Raise your hand. The ushers will give you an envelope. And um, praise the Lord. We're always thankful for your giving and your generosity. We've been able to help our missionaries. We were able to help a number of families. I know they said last week five families, but we helped a number more families because of your generosity at Christmas time. And uh, as they spoke, your generosity in the coat drive. A uh, uh, number of people uh, were given coats and John said on the announcements today, we heard of the young man who came up, just tears in his eyes, and he, you know, he just said, I didn't think I would get anything for Christmas. I'm so thankful for this coat that you gave me. Amen. And sometimes we just, we don't understand sometimes just what the things that we do and, and just giving and generosity and the love of God, what it does for somebody that maybe we wouldn't even think about. And so uh, we're thankful for your generosity and, and what you do and what it, in, in, it empowers us and enables us to do uh, in ministering to others in different places uh, here and uh, in different places even around the world. And so we're thankful for that. So uh, as you've gotten, if you got your offering, then as you go, you can put it in the receptacles either out there or in the foyer. Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, we've been uh, talking on Sunday night, and I want to thank Jonathan uh, for sharing last uh, Sunday night on remembrance. It was so good and uh, had communion together. And so a uh, very powerful, very good time. I got to get used to, now I got to function my iPad while I'm holding on to a, another microphone. Praise the Lord. But um, uh, we're just thankful. The word that he brought is an awesome word and communion together. We're going to continue and really uh, finish up some things we started a couple weeks ago. Uh, two weeks ago, um, we were talking about prayer and our confession in prayer, but we're going to continue talking about the words of our mouth. I just want to tell you, uh, you know, if you're looking for some things, a great book to help you. If you're studying on this and you're like, you know what, I need, I need just some help with my words. Uh, uh, Joyce Meyer's book, Change Your Word, Change Your Life, is a great book. Change Your Words, Change Your Life. And it's so appropriate. Uh, we don't think words are important, but God thinks words are important. And uh, he thinks they're so important that he had his word put down for us to read and to get into our heart. And then he said what comes out of our heart is incredibly important. In the uh, 19th Psalm, in the 14th verse, the psalmist said this. He said, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. 
She said, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight. How often do we think about that in our own heart and we begin to think about, God, let the words of my mouth, let the meditation of my heart or my self-talk be pleasing in your sight, O God. How often do we get angry? Do we get into a situation? Do we get worried about something? And boy, our words just start to roll, and they're not that pleasing. They wouldn't be that pleasing to God. But God has a plan, and he understands that the words of our mouth and the words, the self-talk, the meditation of our hearts are so important to the direction of our life. They're so important as we've been talking about those things that that I I just want to lay some importance out to us. We're going to finish up this list of things about confession that that Mark Hankins put out. In fact, we have these copies for you out there. There are nine things uh, to remember about our confession. We covered, I think, four of those a few weeks ago. We're just going to cover uh, the other ones of that tonight. But turn over to Matthew chapter 12. Matthew chapter 12 and verse 33. If you've been with us on Sunday night, I know that we have been a little bit repetitive in these things. But I don't know, you know, when we come to church, we tend to think, you know, uh, don't be repetitive. I've heard that before. We kind of want something new. We want something flashy. We want something different. But what we don't recognize is the world has really captured this principle. They've captured this principle. And so tomorrow, again, I don't really suggest that you do this, but just in case you're in the habit of doing it, if you turn on the news tomorrow and let it play, it will start tomorrow morning and you will listen, and no matter what newscasters, whether they're on one side or the other, whichever it is, whichever you watch, they will say the same thing, different people saying exactly the same words, the same talking points all day long. And we listen, we go back, and we listen again, we listen again, and they know that. They've said that. I even heard somebody say this recently. They said, we know that if we say it enough, then people will believe it. They know the power of words to get people convinced and get them to believe. We should never get wore out when the word of God comes, whether we've heard it before or not heard it before. Because even those words that we hear, they say, if we can get you to believe it, we can direct the course of your life. We can get you to move in the flow that we want you to go if you just believe what we're saying. You don't have to have any proof. You know, we, we like in the church, we, we think, well, well, I don't even see that. We believe so many things in this world that people keep saying that we've never seen any proof of. But we start believing it. Why? Because if that many people are going to say it, and really there's not that many people saying it until they get people to repeat it, in their own little group, in their own uh, conversation during the day, right? Did you hear what so-and-so said on the news? Blah, blah, blah. And then they start repeating it. And then it has exponential growth. It can only be 10 commentators who really don't know that much about anything. They've just been given what to say during the day. But it's, it's the fact that they're hoping that you talk about it around the, the dinner table. They're hoping that you talk about it at the water cooler at work. They're hoping that you talk about it because then it starts to spread. It starts to pick up steam. It starts to grow. And all the devil did was pervert the very plan of God. God wanted us to come together and hear what God was saying and talk about it around the dinner table and talk about it around the cooler at work, talk about it in our neighborhoods, talk about it. Because if we start doing it, it has exponential value of building faith and belief and strength in what God has said. And it begins to overcome 
and bring faith instead of fear that the world is propagating. It brings faith that God is greater than all our fears. They've understood that what you say out of your mouth begins to direct the path. And James said that. It's whatever you, you, your words say are like bits in a horse's mouth. They begin to direct the course. It's like a rudder of a ship. It begins to direct the course of our life. And I believe some of our lives got off course in 2020 just because we began, we faced something that we had not faced before. When we started to face what we had not faced before, we started looking for how to deal with it and what to say about it. And so often we just started saying what we heard and we started saying what, what the fear brought to us and we jumped off of declaring the word of God. So it's a time to really bring that back in and what we talked about today, something about focusing and, and setting our focus and getting our, our minds set on the things that are correct. Part of what will help you bring things into focus is the words of your mouth. The importance of the words of our mouth, Matthew chapter 12, starting in verse 33, it says, Either make the tree good and its fruit good, or else make the tree bad and its fruit bad. For a tree is known by its fruit. It says, You brood of vipers, how can you, being evil, speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. This is the word of faith which we preach, that if you believe in your heart, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Whatever's in your heart that you believe in your heart, if you confess with your mouth, it has a force to change things. And it's a fact that's what's in the abundance of your heart, your mouth will speak. How many of you just, you can show your hands or not show your hands, that really as 2020 got started and things started to change and you were interested in the change, that you began to watch and listen to what was going on and what was changing, and you found yourself talking about the coronavirus day and night and night and day. Anybody? Why? Because you let that into your heart, and you let, kept letting it into your heart, and you kept letting it into your heart, and it started coming out your mouth. Out of the abundance of your heart, your mouth speaks. And so when we begin to put the word of God in our heart, we put the word of God in our heart to abundance. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. He says a good man, verse 35, a good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good things. An evil man out of the evil treasure brings forth evil things. But I say unto you that every idle word that men may speak, they will give an account of it in the day of judgment. Listen to this, verse 37. For by your words you will be justified and by your words, you'll be condemned. There's power in your words. We start to think my words don't mean anything, but Jesus said right here that by your words, you will be justified, or by your words, you'll be condemned. So uh, I, I don't know about that, Pastor. Okay, well, I'm glad that you asked that question. Uh, turn over to Numbers. Numbers chapter 14. Numbers chapter 14. Lining up to this Numbers chapter 14, we begin to realize and recognize they sent 10 spies into the land, or 12 spies, excuse me. 10 of them came with an evil report. To put that evil report in a nutshell, the land is what God said it was, except for there's giants in the land, and we have perceived ourselves as much smaller than the giants. We've perceived ourselves as grasshoppers in our own sight, and because that's the way we see ourselves, that's the way they see us. And so we can't do that. Two men, Joshua and Caleb, said, listen, 
God said, that's our land. It's our land. They have lost their strength. Let us go and possess the land. And so Moses and, and, and God have uh, this conversation that begins to go on and, and take place. Uh, and you can read it. But here in Numbers chapter 14 and verse 28, God speaking to Moses says, Say to them, as I live, says the Lord, just as you have spoken in my hearing, so I will do to you. The carcasses of you who have complained against me shall fall in this wilderness. And all of you who were, were numbered according to the entire number from 20 years old and above, except for Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, and Joshua, the son of Nun, you shall by no means enter the land which I swore I would make you dwell in. He said, listen, by the words of your own mouth, you can't possess the land. We'll die over here. That's what you'll have. But Joshua and Caleb said, we will possess the land, and they did possess the land. Sometimes we're not paying attention to our words, and I understand it. You know, Alan said this morning, you know, talking about things, you know, there, there's heightened emotion. There's times where mo emotions are heightened and they're, 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 there's intensity and all that. And we can understand that. But even when we look back to this day, the emotions were heightened. The spies had gone in. They'd done the land. And all of a sudden, I mean, the emotions got so heightened that when Joshua and Caleb said, hey, let's go possess the land, everybody wanted to stone them to death. Listen, trying to get rid of people who don't agree with you is nothing new. We're all in shock about it. Trying to get rid of people that don't agree with you. It's just a strategy of the enemy. And so emotions were heightened. But even in that heightened emotions, God didn't go back and say, you know what, I understand it was a little bit of a rough time and you went into the land and it was a little bit overwhelming to see the giants. It was a little bit overwhelming to see yourself in comparison to the giants. So I get it. My bad. No. He said, your words, I heard them. And you'll be judged according to your own words. So even in this time that we live in right now, it's very crucial for us to say, well, you know, I, 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 it was just an emotional time. But we want to fill our hearts with the word of God so that we're responding in the pressure times. We're responding how God would have us to respond. We're speaking to situations in the way that God would have us to speak to situations. We're declaring the things that need to be declared. Again, I know this is redundancy, but as it came to me as I was studying a couple of months ago for this message, that, you know, we get to that point and when emotions are heightened, we think, I just got to say something. I got to say something. My emotions are certain. I got to say something. But it's really not what you got to say. It's what needs to be said at the time that will make all the difference. Because if you just say what you need to say and you're speaking death and you're speaking destruction and you're speaking complaints and how things aren't how they should be, instead of calling those things that be not as though they were, you're calling the things that are as though they are and will be. And we get no change. But it's time to get the words of our mouth declaring those things that be not as though they were. The things that God has said should be, we declare them and bring them into existence. God, a number of times in the Old Testament, he talks to them and says, your words, your words have been harsh against me. 
But, you know, when he would say that in Malachi, when he said that, your words have been harsh against me, they, you know, I get this picture in my mind. I know we don't have pictures here. But that they're like, when? What do you mean our words have been harsh against you? He said, you've said. See, God knows exactly what they said. Like we were just talking around the table. What do you mean? What did we say? And God said, I'll tell you exactly what you said. You said, what does it profit to serve God? Here's the world not serving God at all, and look at how they're living. And here we brought our tithes, and we're serving God. They seem to do, be doing far better than us. He said, I listened, and I heard what you were saying. You've departed from me. So we think it's just going on here, but your words are heard in heaven. Your words are heard in heaven. My words are heard in heaven. See, we think God's not paying attention, but God's paying more attention than we ever dreamed. God's listening, but what's he listening for? Just as Jeremiah said, you know, he said, what do you see? He said, I see what the almond, uh, the almond branch, and he said, you've spoken well. Because he said, I'm excited, I'm, I'm, I'm ready, I'm watching over my word to perform it. When we speak God's word, when we speak in line with God's word, why is God listening? Because God's getting ready to perform his word for those who will speak it. And so he's listening very closely, so he knows when we're not speaking his word, when we're complaining about life, he knows when we're speaking harsh against him, against his people, he hears that as well. And so we want to adjust our words. We want to bring the confession of our faith are believing in what God has said about us, not what people are doing to us, what they've done in the past, but what has God said to us? What is God saying about us? What is God saying about our future and the hope that he's given to us in Jesus Christ? What are we saying about what Jesus Christ did on the cross for us? Are we just saying, I believe he died on the cross? Or are we talking about what he died on the cross for, to redeem our life from destruction, to bring healing to our bodies and deliverance to our life, that we might walk in freedom and fellowship and relationship with him? that we have the wisdom of God and that God has been made unto us wisdom, sanctification, righteousness, and redemption. Are we talking about how the world might overcome us if we don't, something doesn't change? Are we saying thanks be unto God who always, in every situation, no matter who's in power, causes us to triumph? In Christ Jesus. Are we saying that that triumph releases a fragrance of the knowledge of God? Everywhere I go, my triumph releases a fragrance of who God is in my life. Are we declaring thanks be unto God who always gives me the victory in Christ Jesus? Are we declaring that my God supplies all of my need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus? Come on. Are we saying, oh, gosh, things are sure changing. It's rough around here. It could be worse than ever. It's just going to be worse than it's ever been. Are we declaring God has good thoughts? God has a future and a hope for us. Plans to succeed, plans of good and not evil. Plans of success for our life. Our words are incredibly important. We don't want to find ourselves in that day having God just play back to us what we've said. Or maybe we do. 
Wouldn't that be something? I think most of us, you know, I'm just spitballing here, so give me a second, and then we'll get into finishing this list. We think we're going to stand before Jesus and stand there trembling, and Jesus is going to say, you did this, and you did this, and you did this, and you did this. Wouldn't it be something if we came? We stood before Jesus, and he looked, and he said, okay, let's play what you said your end would be. Okay, that didn't go over very big. All right, we'll, we'll pick up here. Just a thought, just spitballing, because he just said, by your own words, you'd be justified, or by your own words, you'd be condemned. We sit around feeling bad for ourselves. Oh, woe is me. Nobody loves me. Everybody hates me. I'll never amount to anything. God, where have you been in my life? You're never around when I need you. How would that sound? The judgment seat of Christ. Let's just play that. Well, I guess nobody loves you. Guess nobody's ever here for you. Okay, so our words are important. All right, so let me read this. We went through the first four. Things to remember about your confession. Confession builds the road over which faith carries its mighty cargo. Confession builds the road over which faith brings its mighty cargo. Your, con- your confession is so important to how faith delivers in your life. Number two, a spiritual law. Uh, a spiritual law few recognize is that our confession rules us. Your confession rules you. What comes out of your mouth governs your life. Faith will never rise. Number three, faith will never rise above the level of your confession. Number four, God can be no bigger in you than you confess him to be. Number five, many Christians are weak, though sincere, because they lack a bold confession of who they are in Christ. Turn over to Psalms, the 18th chapter. Psalms, the 18th chapter. The second verse, psalmist says this, The Lord is my rock and my fortress, my deliverer, my God, my strength in whom I will trust, my shield, the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. So, I, so shall I be saved from my enemies. Sometimes we're weak. Even though we're sincere, because we lack a bold confession of who we are in God and who God is to us. Turn over to Psalms 27. Psalms 27. Verse 1. Once again, David said this, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked came against me to eat up my flesh, my enemies and foes, they stumbled and fell. Though an army may encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war may rise against me, in this I will be confident. One thing I have desired of the Lord, that will I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. He goes on to say some other things. When you begin to read the Psalms, you can see that the psalmist, even in difficult times, he always came around to who he was as a covenant partner of God and who God was in his life. He declared it. He put it down. He confessed it. 
We see that that place where we begin to declare who God is as our rock, our fortress, our shield, our buckler, our rock. It's on him that we put our trust. You know, we sang that song, tell me what moves you, tell me what moves you. I'll just tell you what moves him. Faith moves him. Faith moves him. Why? Because faith comes from loving him and trusting him and putting your full reliance upon him and his word. And when we do that, that moves him. It moves him to action. When he looks, he's looking for somebody to say, if you'll just trust me, I'll move on your behalf. When you're moving on your own behalf, there's things that get in the way. But when you'll trust me, I'll move. Say, you know what, if it's a fragrance, I'll pour that out. If it's a song, I'll sing that. And I'm not coming against that. I'm just saying, you know, sometimes it's easier to sing a song. Sometimes it's easier to pour fragrance out. Sometimes the difficult thing is to say, I trust you with everything I got. But what moves him is to say, I trust you with everything I got. Hebrews 11.1, 1, Clarence Jordan's translation says, faith is turning dreams into deeds. It's betting your life on unseen realities. It's trusting him. So many Christians are weak. Even though they're sincere in their faith, they lack a bold confession of who they are in Christ. I am the righteousness of God in Christ. When the enemy comes and tries to remind you of all your mistakes and tries to wear you down with what you haven't done and who you, you, you're not and you're not measuring up, a bold confession of I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, not of my own works, but by what he did for me that I rise up. I'm healed and I'm strong because by his stripes I was healed. And if I was healed, then I am healed. I have soundness of mind in every situation because he's not given me a spirit of fear, but of power and love and of a well-disciplined mind. I'm not going out of my mind because I serve God, and he's given me a well-disciplined mind. Come on, there's a bold confession. The enemy's like, you're going out of your mind. No, I'm not. Well, how do you know? Because I have a bold confession of who I am in Christ and what he's done for me. Come on, everybody's against you. Now, I have a bold confession. Since God is for me, who could successfully be against me? Since God is on my side, I will not fear what man can do to me. Come on, you might be sincere, but it takes a bold confession and knowing of who you are and what Christ has done for us will set us on the right path. Number six, the confession of your lips that has grown out of faith in your heart will absolutely defeat the adversary in every combat. Every combat. The confession of your lips that has grown out of faith in your heart. In every combat. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood. Hebrews, or Ephesians chapter 6. We said that this morning. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. Therefore, we put on the whole armor of God. The whole armor of God is an act of your faith and your confession. It's not like I'm picking this breastplate up and I'm putting it on. You put it on by faith and your confession of your righteousness. You put on truth by confessing that God's word is true and declaring this is true for me. You put on peace by declaring what God said about peace with him and his peace in your life. Right? Jesus said, I give my peace to you. 
My peace I give to you. My peace I leave with you. Not as the world gives peace do I give it unto you. It's a different kind of peace. See, everything that God gave us against the strategies of the enemy, the joy of the Lord is different than the kind of joy that the world gives. You know that old song, this joy that I have, the world didn't give it to me, the world can't take it away. There's something that sits down on the inside of us, that we have a joy and a rejoicing, and we draw from the wells of salvation. Everything that salvation provided for us, how do I get it? How do I get it activated in my life? The Bible says we go and we draw from the wells of salvation with joy. Your bucket to get stuff from salvation, healing, and deliverance, and freedom is joy. Come on, the enemy tries to get you depressed because he knows if you get joy, the joy of the Lord is your strength. He's trying to bring the pressure. He's trying to cause you to see lack because he knows you'll fight to get things if you think you have lack. But if you know God supplies everything that I have need of according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus, he can't take that from you. When he tries to say you're good for nothing and you know that you're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, when he tries to get you all anxious about everything that's happening in life and you rely upon the peace that he gives, the peace that passes all understanding, begins to guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. We put on the helmet of salvation. We lift up the shield of faith and the sword of the Spirit. It's all an act of your faith and your confession, those things that you have. And that's how you grow and that's how you defeat the adversary that comes against you. Philippians chapter 2 tells us how Jesus humbled himself and God gave him a name that is above every name. That to confess and to stand and declare over situations of life the name of Jesus and what Jesus has done gives you authority over the enemy. For everything that Jesus has done that we seek to execute in life when we know that God has said it and we declare what God has said about our situation and we take authority and we end that declaration in the name of Jesus, then every adversary that comes against that declaration must bow to the name of Jesus. But it takes a bold confession of your faith in the name, not just in the name of Jesus, casually, but this is what God has done. This is what Jesus has done for me. And right now I'm taking it and I'm declaring it to execute it in my life. In the name of Jesus, I have faith in what he's done and who he is. That he's the Lord and the master, not only of my life and the direction, but he has mastered every strategy of the enemy. Because when he raised from the dead, he led a triumphant parade, disarming them of their power and making an open display of them that they were rendered helpless, and without power. That's what the resurrection did for you and for me, to show us that they no longer have power. Jesus raised from the dead and defeated them. And his resurrection is your resurrection and my resurrection. And if we just get into our mind thinking, oh my gosh, well then why is all this happening? The enemy gains leverage and your self-talk is just that. Why is this happening? If Jesus raised from the dead, if the name of Jesus is powerful, then why is this happening? And now the meditation of your heart is why, 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 where are you, why? And it takes a bold confession to reverse that self-talk to I know why this is happening. The enemy is strategizing against me, and I'll not have it. I'll declare the word of the Lord in Jesus' name.
Come on. We look forward into this year. And the enemy's saying so many things about what this year might look like, could look like, should have looked like. He's trying to instill fear. It's time to put down the gauntlet. It's time to find scriptures, put them on your mirror, put them on your dash, put them on note cards. Whatever it is you're looking to grow in and get them and declare them out loud. You might start reading them, but pretty soon you'll put them in the pocket. And you won't read them and they won't be by rote. They'll start to come to life. And you might not say them word for word, but you'll say what God put in your heart about it. And there will be conviction and there will be faith behind it. And it will start to change the way that we're moving, the way that we're living, and the way that we're having our being. Because it will be in him and by him and through him and for him. Number seven. Number seven. Is anybody getting anything out of this? So I'm just helping you on a meditation. We got these cards out here, commercial message. We got these cards out here. Grab them. What I encourage you to do is look at them. They're not your confession. You don't go every day. Confession builds a road. But take them and look up your own scripture. And build your own highway. Start a confession of faith and what it is that God is putting in your heart. That you build by your confession a highway for that faith to bring it into manifestation in your life. Whatever it is that the devil keeps battling with you about that he says that you know is not true but it keeps coming back to you. Find the scripture, write it down, figure out how you're going to stand. Just equipping you, that's my job. Right? We're just doing this. This is like a test run. We're doing it in a service but if you just go, oh, that was good, let's get on to the next message. It won't help you, but if you pick up this card out there and you start going, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to study that. I'm going to write my own scriptures concerning these confessions. I'm going to start confessing these things for these reasons. Praise the Lord. All right, number seven. The world will heal the word, the word, not the world. The word will heal you if you will continually confess it. Turn over to Proverbs, Proverbs 4.20. I know many of you know that, but it's good. It's good to look at the word. Let the word come off the page and be life to us. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 20. He said, my son, give attention to my words. Incline my, your ear to my sayings. Do not let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart, for they are life to those who find them and health to all their flesh. The Bible says he sent his word and healed them. This has the very DNA of God in it. It's God breathed. It has within itself the healing life of God. We begin to confess that word. Turn over to Psalms 107. Psalms 107, verse 20. Right here he says he sent his word and he healed them and delivered them from their destructions. Oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord for his goodness and his wonderful works to the children of men. Let them sacrifice the sacrifice of thanksgiving and declare 
the work, declare his works with rejoicing. Praise the Lord. He sent his word. He says we should declare his works, what he did on the cross, with rejoicing in our hearts. You can declare the word that by his stripes I was healed. If I was healed, then I am healed. He took my infirmities and he bore my sicknesses and my disease. He is the Lord that heals me. It's a bold confession. Begins to get our focus on our healing and not our sickness, not our pain. Again, as we begin to bring the word of God, we begin to focus on what God said and not focus on our situation, but focus on what God said about our situation. As we said this morning, it's so the focus moves, it's so easy to, to move that focus. When we bring what Jesus has done into clear focus, then we begin to, everything else begins to become more of a blur. Number eight, nothing will establish and build your faith as quickly as your confession. Nothing will establish and build your faith as quickly as your confession. Romans 10, 17 says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So you come to church and you listen to downloads or cassettes or whatever you listen to. I guess cassettes are no more. I mean, really, but uh, CDs are almost no more. So downloads we're tell, we're telling our age hey how many of you remember eight tracks Praise the lord we got a good crowd here we got a mix how many of you don't even know what an eight track is yeah see we're spanning generations in this church we're not one gen we we go all the way from eight track real to real anybody real to real yeah all right praise the lord <laughs> i divert but we hear and it starts a process of faith in our hearts. But faith is the substance of the things we hope for. It's the evidence or proof of what we do not see. So when you hear somebody say it, it starts to create an expectation. But when you continue to say it, it brings it forth to manifestation. So it's easy to walk out of here and say, Pastor Mark said, my life's not turning out like that. So I believed what he said, but it didn't work. It's an altogether different thing to say, I believe it. And now I hear myself saying it. And the more I hear myself say it, the more it settles in my believing that that's what I've said. I think Jonathan said this last week, that the power of our testimony is something that comes from within us. But the, the power of your confession, the most powerful confession is the, the confession that comes out of a believing heart. It creates things. It changes things. It moves mountains. When you say, you know what, I just don't have that, then your confession to get that word down in your heart is the next powerful confession. So we're always confessing. Well, what if I don't believe it? Then you confess it till it gets down in your heart because faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God and hearing what you say concerning the word of God. But once faith comes and it settles in your heart, then your confession starts to move mountains and starts to change things. Turn over to Philemon. Philemon, verse 6, there's only one chapter, verse 6, he says, here she says, or he says, that the sharing of your faith may become effective by the acknowledgement of every good thing that is in you in Christ. 
That acknowledgement means to confess, to declare, to acknowledge with your mouth every good thing that is in you in Christ. The sharing or the development of your faith. One says the communication of your faith. One says the energizing of your faith becomes effective by acknowledging, muttering over, saying again and again every good thing that is in you in Christ. If you haven't got it already, you know uh, Mark Hankins' book, uh, In Christ Realities. In the back of that, he has a list of scriptures. You get that little mini book, In Him, by Brother Hagin. It has a multitude of scriptures of what the Bible says, who you are in him, him in you, you in him. And you start confessing those things, and it starts to energize, build, and bring your faith up to a whole new place. Job chapter 22 Turn over there, Job chapter 22. Praise the Lord. Y'all still with me? We're about ready to wrap up number nine, or wrap up number eight and get to number nine. Excuse me, don't want to lead you astray. Verse 27, it says, you will make your prayer to him, and he will hear you. You will pay your vows. You will also declare a thing, and it will be established for you. So light will shine on your ways. And when they cast you down, and you say, exaltation will come, then he will save the humble person. Come on, he didn't say when they come against you to cast you down, you say, why are they casting me down? He said when they come and they try to cast you down, you say exaltation will come. It's easy to agree with them and what they're doing, but he says, listen, you'll declare a thing and it'll be established. Light will shine on your way. And when they come to put you down, you declare exaltation will come. And God will lift up the humble. Come on. So nothing will establish and build your faith as quickly as your confession. He says, if we can can do that, it's going to establish your faith. Last one. Y'all ready for the last one? Your success and your usefulness in this world is measured by your confession and the tenacity with which you hold fast to that confession. Your confession, your success, and your usefulness in this world are measured by your confession and the tenacity by which you hold fast to that confession. Turn over to Joshua chapter 1. I know most of you can quote this. Just stick with me. It's going to help us. Because just as we heard everything the world was saying for months and months and months, and we found ourselves, most of you raised your hand, I found myself saying everything they were saying about it. Even so, we get redundant and we'll start saying what we're hearing that God has said about this. And our words are incredibly important to us. Praise the Lord. Joshua chapter 1. We're going to start in verse 5. He says, No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. I mean, that's a good one to, 
right? When you think, man, everybody's holding me down, everybody's stopping me, people are standing in my way. He said, listen, there will be no man that will be able to stand before you. I'll be with you. I'll not leave you. I'll not forsake you. Verse 6, be strong and good, of good courage. For to this people you shall divide as an inheritance the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may prosper wherever you go or be successful wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. But you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and you will have good success. Your success and usefulness in this world is measured by your confession and your tenacity. He says right here to Joshua, your, your success will be determined by the word not leaving your mouth. That meditation means to mutter, to say over and over and over again. It's the reason. Why do we meditate the word? We can meditate the word, we can memorize the word, and we can just, I mean, we, we can quote it just like that. But meditation of the word, what does it do? It gets the word down. It gets, gets you understanding what God has said. But in your meditation of the word, you begin to draw the wisdom of the word out. We're not just saying it to say it. We're saying it to draw the wisdom that's in the word out of it. As we mutter the word, as we go over the word, we cogitate, we excogitate. We chew it a little bit, and then we come back, and we chew it again. We, we say it again, and then we say it again, and we look at the application of it to life, and all of a sudden, we start to draw the application. We start to draw wisdom out of the Word of God. When you draw the wisdom out of the Word of God, there's no way you cannot, there's no way you cannot be successful. That's not very good grammar, but there's no way. And that's why he told Joshua, keep thinking about what I told. Just keep thinking about what I told Moses. Just keep thinking about what I told Moses. Observe it to do it. Put it into practice. Keep meditating on it, and you'll see how to put it into practice. You'll see how to put it into practice. You'll see how to put it in practice. And he meditated on the word of God so much, and he understood God's voice so much, and he understood what God had promised them so much that when he came to going in to possess the land, God gave him the most radical of, uh, of combat strategies and he said we're going to apply my word right here that i told you that you would possess the land the victory would be yours but the battle would be mine so here's what i want you to do i want you to line the people up and walk around the city and the last day i want you to shout and watch what happens See, he had meditated on the word. How did he make his way successful? Not by ending up just doing it the way he could figure out to do it, but he did it by the wisdom of God that he drew out of spending time meditating on God's promises to him. Praise the Lord. Hebrews chapter 10, last scripture. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 35. Therefore, do not cast away your confidence, which has great reward. For you have need of endurance, so that after you have done the will of God, you may receive the promise. Now, earlier in verse 23, he said, uh, uh, hold fast the confession of your faith without wavering, the confession of your hope without wavering. But listen to this. He said, do not cast away your confidence, which has great reward. 
Listen to what this word confidence means. I won't even try to pronounce the Greek word. You can look it up. It means this, the very first thing, all outspokenness. Don't cast away your outspokenness of what God has done because it has great reward. It means frankness. Just be frank about it. It means bluntness. It means publicity. Don't cast away your confidence. Don't cast away your outspokenness about what God has done, what God has promised, what God is doing. Don't cast away your outspokenness to declare in your own heart, in your self-talk to others what God is doing because it has great reward. They say, what reward does it have? He says, listen, you have need of endurance. It's not going to happen instantly. You have need of endurance. But after you've done the will of God, after you keep speaking it, and following after what you're speaking, then you receive the promise. He said you have to be outspoken about the promise and the pursuit of the promise. And after you've been outspoken, not just once, I said it once, when you keep saying and you continue to be outspoken and you don't cast away your outspokenness, but you continue to stay with your confession, with your outspokenness, it says it has great reward. After you've done the will of God, you receive the promise. So your success and usefulness in this world is measured by your confession and the tenacity with which you hold fast to that confession. The power of your words. Life and death are in the power of the tongue. Those who love to talk, those who love words, says they'll eat the fruit of it, whether life or death. Jesus said, by your words, you'll be justified by your words You'll be condemned. Yet, how often do we get casual about our words? How often do we let our emotions dictate the words of our mouth? Not realizing that those words are going out and they have power. And so as we begin to develop our spirit man and fill our heart in the abundance of our heart with what God has said, we begin to reign over our own life. We begin to direct the course of our own life, not circumstances, not emotion of the day, but we begin to direct the course of our own life by what we say. It's not that you'll never run into a circumstance. It's not that you'll never run into adversity, but when you do, you know what I've been saying and you know that we keep saying it because it's what God said. And God is watching over his word. God didn't promise to watch over your word to perform it. God didn't say that I will confirm, he would confirm my word with signs following. But he said, I will confirm my own word with signs following, and I will watch over my word to perform it. And the confession of our faith is simply this, and the building and strengthening of our faith, faith is continually confessing what God has said and knowing that he's well able to perform that which he promised in our life. Why don't you stand up?